morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Country Christian Center, and let's uh, go ahead and open with a word of prayer this morning. Dear Lord, we just come before you right now, Lord, and just ask that you uh, bless this service today and bless the, our time here together with you, Lord, and bless the words that will be said today and the worship time, Lord. Just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, earlier this week, Brian asked me if I wanted to do open ends. I said, sure, I got, I got something. So what I'm going to be sharing about today is uh, comparing being a Christian is like to be in a pumpkin. So since we're kind of coming up on the, I know we don't believe in the Halloween season, but you know, fall harvest is here and pumpkins are coming off and other things are coming off. So, uh, so here, uh, God, God picks you from the pumpkin patch and brings you in. He washes off all the dirt of you and I. So we were, my family and I were out at Middleton's yesterday and I snapped a picture of this pumpkin. You know, it's not the prettiest looking thing in the world, but you know, hey, it's still one of God's creations. And yeah, it's got bumps and bruises on it and whatnot, and it doesn't, doesn't look the prettiest. Um, and so I'm going to read a verse right now that uh, correlates with this. Um, John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth and bring fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whosoever be shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So uh, that's just a point there that, you know, that pumpkin wasn't the prettiest looking pumpkin in the patch, but it still produced fruit, you know. And then, uh, so then he washes all the dirt off of you and I. If we can go to that next slide, please. So this is this is before you hollow out a pumpkin to make a, a jack-o'-lantern or whatever. You get that nasty-looking stuff in there. I'm going to... So he opens you up, scoops out all the yucky, nasty stuff. He removes the seeds of doubt, hate, greed, etc. So now I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now I'm going to uh, read Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So you could look at that first picture there that was, you know, that you could picture that as sin, but God can do magical things, and, you know, no matter what you got going on in your life, he can remove that sin. We may look fine or on the outside, you know, as opposite of this picture, but all those, you can picture all those little growths and bumps and whatnot as sin or this nasty stuff that's going on in your life. And God can make you a new creation and cleanse you. So then another saying I have is, then he carves you a new smiling face and you can end up looking like this you can end up a beautiful creation of the Lord. And now I'm going to read Psalms 71:23. My lips shall, shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee and my soul which thou hast redeemed. So and then and one more uh, thought I have is and he puts the, his light inside you to shine for all the world to see. 
And I'm going to read Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I just thought that some of these were really neat, you know, examples that that one pumpkin that was just kind of nasty looking and not the most attractive looking thing in the world and nobody's going to want to get that, but we can, the Lord can take that and transform us from, you know, no matter what's going through in your life, struggles with whatever, that he can take you and make you a beautiful new creation. And I'm going to, in closing, I'm going to read 1 Peter 1.8. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So I just thought, you know, in this time of harvest that, you know, let's fall into God's harvest. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We're like those pumpkins in the pumpkin patch. We can be, go from a not looking great pumpkin to a beautiful creation and carving like the, the jack-o'-lanterns like that one right there. So I'll go ahead and pray and we'll ask the worship team to come on up. Dear Lord, just ask that you be with the worship team as they come today, Lord, and be with us throughout the rest of this service, Lord. Just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. To reiterate what Jackie said, we went and saw the same movie, and we were in the showing before they were, and we had the whole theater to ourselves in that one. So uh, very well worth seeing. A good reminder of standing up for what you believe, regardless of what the circumstances might be, uh, was really brought out quite strongly. So like Jackie said, if you're looking for something, a good movie to go see, which doesn't happen real often, um, I would highly recommend this one to go see and even to take your kids to see it. It was very appropriate. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going today. <clears throat> I was listening to a, another message this week. It was actually just this morning. I don't know why I was listening to one this morning, but I was, and it was talking about coming to church and hearing, or not just church, but hearing things, and it was talking about the says nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it's just extra. But talking about the scattering of the seed, the planting of the seed, and sometimes the birds come and take it. And sometimes when we hear things at church and, and we hear it, and I, and I say it or somebody else says it or we hear it from wherever or we sing it or whatever it might be, and by the time we get home, something may have distracted us long enough that we forgot what we heard. And so it was mentioned, Bella, it was good to hear about your trip and about some of the things that you learned, but to be able to come home, to be able to go home from here today and be able to think about the things that we heard, think about the things that we've seen and that we've experienced and how to apply them to our lives without the birds snatching that seed away that was planted. It was just a really good point and a good reminder. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to do verses 1 through 14 this morning. Why don't you stand up with me? If you can or if you would like, while we read this. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from it there parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hadekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates, you can sit down. <clears throat> so I don't know about you, but when you have a busy week, we are still in the middle of apple harvest. I think one more week and we're going to be getting finished with the bulk of our harvest. But when you're in the middle of a busy season and Sunday comes, it is amazing. It's a day of rest. And God, we've talked about in the first chapter of Genesis that God has created the earth and he's created all of these things and now it backs up a little bit and it kind of gives a little bit of another view of what is happening. But when God, in the first six days, God created all of these things. And then in chapter two, we talk about the seventh day. And the seventh day, God said he had looked at everything that he had made and saw that it was good. And then he took a break. He rested. This is an example that he gave us for us to follow. He didn't do it because we needed to um, be dogmatic that it has to be this way. He did it for our benefit. He did it because when he knew that we needed it. You know, if you ever have something that has, you you think of the electric cars now that have rechargeable battery, and if you can run it for quite a while, but if you run it too long and you don't recharge it, it's going to die. We can go and we can go and we can go and we can go, and if we don't ever take time to stop and recharge, but it's good and it's a positive thing for us to stop and recharge, to stop and rest, whether that means you actually take a nap, which a lot of times I enjoy doing on Sunday afternoon, or whether you just do something different than your normal everyday life. And we don't get up at 3.30 in the morning, right, Clyde, to go drive, even though that's not early for you, but it is for me. But it's something different. We get to do something different. It's a break from our normal activities of the week, our normal work of the week is supposed to be a break. It was put there for our benefit. It is part of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter um, 20, and verses 8 through 11, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. 
In it you shall, not do, you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. It's amazing to me how we <clears throat> read things like this and the people in the Old Testament when they saw this and they took it very, very literal. In fact, there's times where, uh, if you remember when God provided manna for the children of Israel and they were supposed to gather, this is not gonna stay. Would you hook that on my collar so it stays? Thank you. They gathered, they were supposed to gather manna for their food, but God said, you need to gather enough on Sab- for the Sabbath. The day before, you gather enough for both days because there won't be any out there. And wouldn't you know that people question even that? So people get up on the Sabbath and they go out to gather manna and it's not there. Or it's the other way. They're gonna gather heat because God also said gather just what you need except for that day. So people did all of the above. They'd gather way more than needed and it was always spoil. But God set this up for a reason and we take it and we make it legalism in a sense. So we get dogmatic about the fact that, man, you can't do that. We aren't supposed to do that. You know, it's, you know what? It was created for our benefit. Another thing that I'm finding sometimes is that if you go and go and go and go, and I know that there's times where we... You know, even, I know my grandpa was this way, putting up hay, bale hay until midnight on Saturday night, and then he'd start again at midnight on Sunday. And, you know, do with that what you want to, but when you are working until midnight on Saturday night, you're worth nothing on Sunday morning. But you got to do what you have to do. There's verses that talks about if your ox is in the ditch, you better get him out. If your neighbor's ox is in the ditch, go help him get him out, get him out. When God rested on the seventh day, it doesn't mean that he totally abandoned everything that he created. He didn't quit. He didn't quit being God. He didn't stop doing the things he needed to do. It just specifically says that he took the time to rest. And I just want to encourage us this morning, let's look at it as a benefit for us, for our physical body, for our physical needs, for our mental needs for our spiritual needs. It's a time that's set apart for us. It's the example that God set. He worked for six days in creating the earth, and then he rested. He specifically took the time to rest. But even though he rested, he didn't abandon the universe. John chapter 5 Jesus comes to earth, and all these things are set in place, and we're taking uh, the, the commandment that you shouldn't do anything on the Sabbath day, where they're taking it very, very literal in the fact that they don't do anything on the Sabbath. In fact, they cook all their food the night before so they don't have to do anything. And here comes Jesus into the scene. And it seemed like wherever Jesus went, sometimes he kind of um, just liked to stir things up a little bit. And this is no exception right here. John chapter five, verses 16 and 17 For this reason, the Jews 
persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. See, Jesus comes and he heals somebody on the Sabbath. And they get all, all the religious leaders get all up in arms about this, and they're trying to find ways to get rid of him because he's kind of breaking the mold of what they think is right, taking absolutely no consideration that this was there for their benefit. But they felt like they had to hold everybody to that line. Not feeling very relaxing right now. We're supposed to be our day of rest, and everything seems to not work quite right. But you know what? <clears throat> God's bigger than that. We're going to keep going anyways because this is our day to rest. It really is. Sometimes we spend it doing fun things with our family. Sometimes we spend it taking a nap. Sometimes we just spend it relaxing. I don't know what you do. Maybe you're going to go see a movie this afternoon. I don't know. But it's things different. So when Jesus came and he disrupted all of what was going on and he, he made people mad, because they had their ideal of how things should be or how they thought things should be. And he completely messed with that. And they didn't like him for that. But let's not get confused in the fact that Sabbath was created for our benefit. And we're simply following the example that God set. Lots of examples that God set. This is just another one of them. If you go back into Genesis, this is a unit of time that God blessed. God blessed this unit of time. He had been blessing. He blessed man when, it was made, when they were made. He was made. But this is a unit of time that God blessed because it's there for a reason. And let's not get confused why it's there, but let's also remember that it is there. If you have to work on Sunday on the Sabbath, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to go to hell because you had to work on Sunday. But let's not forget what it's for. Mark chapter 2, 27 and 28. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Let's not get confused on what the Sabbath is for. It is to rest. It is to replenish our energy. I come down here this morning and spent some time in prayer and was just asking the Lord for strength today because I'm tired today. And I know a lot of you are tired because it's, it is fall, it's harvest time, it's a busy time of year. But you know what? We talked about this morning that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we can establish that fact and we can rest in that fact, then we can do the things that we need to do and still have joy, still have energy to be able to do what God is asking us to do. Because if you have noticed when you're the most tired and you're the most run down, that's usually when it's not always, but a lot of times that's when God brings opportunities for you to minister to somebody. You don't feel like it, you don't want to, you don't have the energy to, but when you do and you follow through with God, what God asks you to do, that is energizing. That's energizing. <clears throat> we'll go back to Genesis 2. 
Given a little bit more history, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord had God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. The herb of the field that it's talking about is one that needs to be taken care of. And he is getting to the point where he created, we read in Genesis 1 that he created man in his image. Now we're backtracking just a little bit. He created all of these things. He created all the trees, all the herbs, everything that was needed. God set up everything that was needed to sustain life. And then he created man to put in the garden to take care of it. There was no rain. There had been no rain. There was nobody there to take care of it. So here we go. And you think, well, maybe he got things a little bit out of order. No. God doesn't do things out of order. God doesn't make any mistakes. We saw the picture of the pumpkin this morning. God doesn't make any mistakes. Nothing, it didn't surprise him. God wasn't creating the world and all of a sudden realized, oh, I created all the trees and I didn't do any way to water them. Or nobody, he didn't, it didn't catch him by surprise. He wasn't, he didn't all of a sudden realize that he had made a mistake because he didn't make a mistake. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was doing it in the right order. He was doing it how he wanted it to be done. Verse number seven it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And, and man became a living being. The use of the worm, worm, word formed would be the same one if you look in a couple of other uh, scriptures in the Old Testament. It's talking about the, uh, a, a potter and having clay that he is forming. And that's how we get to where Jesus, God is the potter and we are the clay. Because he took and he formed us, he formed man from the dust of the earth. Something that he had already created, it was there, and he took the dust. It was nothing special that he put together with the dust. That wasn't really any special, but what made it special is when he breathed into man the breath of life. That's what made it unique. Because God is spirit. That makes humans, because God, a spirit, breathed life into humans, that makes us Humans, a unique mix of physical and spiritual. This is only possible because God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Do we realize what happened right there? Yes, God took some dust and he formed something and he molded it and made man. But then he didn't stop there because he spoke and the animals were created and he spoke and all these other things were created. But then he took dust and he formed man, but then he breathed life into man. And this is a big deal because God is a spirit. He breathed into us life, something that no other creature in the earth has. There's no animals that have been given the breath of life. 
that God breathed into them, God created them, and they were. But with us, with man, he breathed the breath of life. So we have a spirit. We have a soul. So when we die here physically, what does it say? Our body returns to dust. But the spirit that God breathed into us is what will go to be with him. Incredible. It's an incredible way and design that God set things up. Absolutely incredible. And we haven't even mentioned the uniqueness of how our bodies work. If you know anything about how things work, if you cut yourself within days, it heals, and you can't even tell you cut yourself. We break a bone, we get it set, and it heals. And sometimes it's stronger. If you have a bad hip, you can get it replaced. And it works great. In Harvest, I've been walking up. That's what I had done, by the way, in case you didn't know, a couple years ago. But we've been walking up and down. I have the orchard rows, and I just am reminded quite often walking up and down these rows with no pain. It's amazing what, what God created and what he allows us to do with the things that he's created. God took dust and he formed man, and he breathed into man the breath of life. Incredible. Incredible. He goes on, and he's talking about the garden that he planted, the Garden of Eden. Eden means pleasantness. And it says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I don't know how many different types of trees you have seen, but there are some trees that when they're in the right season are absolutely beautiful. And there's other trees that produce fruit, which is amazing. That's what we're doing right now for food. But God set up this garden. God created this garden. And you know, it's often interesting. There's people that have tried to find this garden, and I don't think they've succeeded. Maybe they've narrowed down uh, close to where it was, but I don't think it'll ever be found. You know why? Because I think that this garden could potentially be where heaven is. This might be what heaven is going to be like. Because I think God created Everything perfect. Everything in the garden was perfect. Everything was there to sustain life. He provided water. It hadn't rained. He provided water to come up from the ground to water the earth. When we get down the road into Genesis farther, we're going to find out how that water coming up out of the earth wasn't such a blessing. But he used it in the right way to bring life, to water things, to create food. Everything was perfect. There was no sin there. Yet, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any sin there either. So whether it's going to be exactly the same, I don't know. But some of the things that he describes that are amazing to think about, I think is what heaven is going to be like as well. It also, in the midst of the garden, there was also the tree of life. And there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're going to get into that later. But, they, but here, we're going, where we're going to get to is that here is the first choice that God set up for man. And we'll go to that later. We're not going into that today. I want to read 
uh, Revelation chapter 22. One through four. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street on, on, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. The river of life. We're talking here in Genesis about the Garden of Eden, and there obviously was a lot of water there because it's the, it's the headwaters of four major rivers that come out of there. There's a lot of water in the Garden of Eden. But you know, as we, <clears throat> as we live and as we experience different things, we realize that the river of life is Jesus. And in the Testament, he talks about us Drinking from water, drinking from the well, drinking the right water that we won't ever thirst again. What in the world is he talking about? He's not talking about physical thirst. He's talking about spiritual thirst. If we can recognize as God is setting up and, and, and building and establishing this Garden of Eden, everything was perfect there. Everything, was, everything that was needed for life was there, but he's also referring forward to what Jesus is for us today. He's the river of life. For us, he's the light that we need to survive. The garden that God created was beautiful. It had everything to sustain life. It was the headwaters for four rivers, and it had all herbs and trees for food. Everything was taken care of. And I would think that sounds like what heaven is going to be because we're going to read later that God came and walked in the garden. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to experience what life with God, living with God, will be. Not that we, we can live with God here, but it's going to be different because there won't be any sin involved. But the first choice that man was given was placed in the middle of the garden. The tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We'll get into more of that in another week or so. But you know, what, what is it that God is working on in your life? What is it that God is working on in your life? Because everything that was set up in the garden was perfect and it was everything that was needed, but yet God still is going to allow man a choice. What is it in your life that you're needing to choose one direction or the other? God is working in each one of us. He wants to work through us. He wants to live through us. He wants to work in us. He wants us to be available for him to use. What is it, what choice is it that you are needing to make? to allow him to work through you? What is it that's holding you back and keeping you from making that choice? And the last thing I want to leave you with today, the last question is, are we using the Sabbath for our benefit? Are we using the Sabbath, the day of rest, the example that, Christ, that God set after working, are we using that 
for our benefit because that's why he created it. Let's not forget that's, a, that, that's why he created the Sabbath. As we go about our week, let's remember that. Enjoy your week. Do what you need to do. Work hard during the week. But when comes time for the Sabbath, let's remember to catch our breath. We can slow down just for a little bit and regroup and recharge because that's what it was created for. It was created for us, for our benefit. Stand up with me if you would. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a chorus. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the example that you set up for us. And Lord, you provided even a day of rest for us. I pray that you'd help us to use it for our benefit to glorify you. Thank you, Father, for your love. Again, I pray that you would guide our week and everything in it. In your name we pray, amen. Everybody have a good week and you can be dismissed.